Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, dear family. Good morning. It's good to be with you. It is wonderful in Tulsa. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous day, and it's truly a fall day at last. It's really lovely weather. Why am I giving you the weather report in Tulsa when you're not here? Um, But it's wonderful to be with you, and you know, uh, I've been thinking about two things. I've been thinking about what we should talk about, Um, and... I am following the Amazon Synod and all the reports daily, and um, they're not good. They're not good. And probably they are as bad or worse as we thought it would be. I could say that. Well, I did say that. And so I, there, the, the conference is on, the Synod is on for the whole month, I think through the 26th or 27th of October. So we're not going to talk about that. You can follow the news as I can. And, uh, but it's also the month of the Rosary, of our blessed, blessed, blessed Lady of the Rosary. And one very dear woman, and I don't have her name in front of me, but I will get it for you tomorrow or maybe during the break. She, when I was speaking of the rosary for Our Lady of the Rosary, um, her feast day yesterday, uh, and here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, we made it a first-class feast day and and honored her the entire day. Uh, the rosary is the weapon greater than rifles and pistols and guns and bombs, the weapon of our warfare. And it's truly wonderful. And one very wonderful soul sent me um, the title of a book that it looks like it's no longer in print. Um, It is The Rosary. Let me see if I can get that. Um, Oh, dear. If I can get the, the cover for you. It's truly wonderful, written in 1944 by Bishop Sheen, Meditations on the 15 Mysteries of the Rosary. And what I did was, um, I'll show it to you what I did, uh, because it's not in print anymore, and so I downloaded it, the Meditations on the 15 Mysteries of the Rosary, and I downloaded it um, on my computer and printed it out. And so I thought, um, here's the picture on the cover. It's so, one of those old-fashioned, beautiful pictures, the 15 uh, Mysteries of the Rosary. I just absolutely love it. So uh, I started reading it last night, um, and um, uh, the reason I started reading it last night was a... uh, kind of a pre-record of a podcast with Father Rick Heilman um, that we are going to play on Wednesday. I'd, I'd have to look it up. Father Rick Heilman, the United States Grace Force. Um, and we did a little podcast together. It was a lot of fun. And I read some of Bishop Sheen's words on that, on the rosary in advance of 
the Rosary Rally that's going to be held in Washington, D.C. on October 13th, on Our Lady's Day, the day she appeared uh, to the three children, October 13th. And Father Heilman has been, um, you have to go to his site, Father Rick Heilman, the United States Grace Force, and it's the Rosary Rally, and there's so far um, 57,000 people um, uh, that are gathering for that and are going to be praying the rosary all over the country. So I invite you to do it. And if you can um, go on the Internet to the United States Grace Force and the Rosary Rally, you will get a lot more in- better information than I'm giving you at the moment. It's, I'm kind of doing it from memory. But we'll be there in Washington, D.C., and I'll be there with them um, giving a, a short talk in um on Sunday, October 13th in Washington, D.C., and 57,000 people all over the country are going to be praying the rosary. So I would want to encourage you to do that, to get together in small groups, whatever you can do, or by yourself, and pray the rosary this coming Sunday. Um, And in... um, uh, we talked about why the rosary and what is the rosary and why is it important to pray it. And I tell you, um, as a new Catholic, it wasn't my um, it, my favorite thing to do to pray the rosary. It was uh, I didn't fully understand it. It seemed mechanical. It seemed a little mindless. It just and I tell you, beloved, it's anything but that. It is anything anything but that. The rosary is all scriptural. It all comes from scripture. And um, uh, some of my Protestant friends say God is against vain repetition, which he indeed is. He's against vain repetition. He's not against repetition, um, as we mentioned, because um, uh, his mercies are new every morning is every other line of Psalm 136. And many things are repeated, as Isaiah says, line upon line, um, uh, precept upon precept, uh, God repeats himself in many, many ways, or repeats himself in the scriptures. Um, He doesn't, he's not against uh, repetition. He is against vain repetition. And the rosary given to us by Our Lady herself, it's her Psalter, it's called, it's her rosary, and it's anything but vain. It is a meditation on the life of Christ, which Catholics who may not know the exact verse in the Bible where it's located, they know the life of Christ more than most uh, non-Catholic Christians do because the rosary is 15 or uh, some 20 mysteries of our Lord's life. It's a meditation on the life of our Lord, and it's from his Jewish mother, who I've said it before, who would say, do I have a son for you? You know, and, and the reason I've said many times that we have the rosary is because we have a Jewish mom who knows how to homeschool her children. And that's what the rosary is, beloved. So I am, I thought I could uh, continue read reading to you the atrocities of the Amazon Synod of what's going on in the public schools uh, today um, with with the degradation of our society, with the heretical uh, things that are taking place even within the church, 
we could continue with all that. But what if we didn't do that? What if we really dedicated this month, as Our Lady has, to the rosary and began to pray it as never before? So I thought um, we can start and just see how this works, that I would begin to read this old, fabulous, simple, because that's the only thing Bishop Sheen knows how to do, to deliver to us, to bring to us deep, theological, philosophical, magnificent truths in simple ways with lots of illustrations so that we can get it. I need illustrations to get it. I need stories. And they make things real to us. And some of you have been praying the rosary, uh, don't know what the mysteries are. Uh, I don't think that's a problem personally. But when we know what the mysteries are, the rosary just takes us out of the world and we begin to imagine ourselves walking with Christ. Um, but it takes time maybe for that to happen. But I'm going to begin to read from this and we won't have too much time left before the first break. And after the first break, as every day, beloved, we'll take your calls, your texts, and your emails. And just so you have the information ahead of time, the toll-free number to call or text is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll begin uh, the meaning of the rosary, the very beginning of the book, the meaning of the rosary. And when Bishop Sheen wrote this, <clears throat> he was the national director of the Society of the Propagation of the Faith. And he says this, you have sometimes heard a radio program in which a voice spoke. In fact, you hear that on the Station of the Cross. And when you listen live at uh, LifeSite News or or the Facebook page of the Station of the Cross. While I'm speaking, uh, coming into the program, going out of the program, you, you're listening to me while you hear background music. And sometimes the background music just helps us to focus and tune in. So Bishop says, you have sometimes heard a radio program in which a voice spoke while at the same time music was playing in the background. When we say the rosary, something like that occurs. Our lips say the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be to the Father. But our mind, thinking about the life of our Lord, creates a soundless background symphony symphony of thoughts. The rosary is psychologically one of the greatest prayers because it draws all our scattered human energies, mind, lips, and fingertips, into a single unifying purpose. To those who find prayer difficult, and beloved, I include myself, there I find prayer difficult. To those, I should not you, mother, oh yes, I do. And the rosary was very difficult for me, and um, much prayer I have found difficult, yes. Um, especially coming from my Protestant background where we didn't pray what we call rote prayer. We never prayed the Our Father. We never prayed the Our Father. Um, one time in my Protestant church, packed church, 
3,500 people were in there at one time, standing room only. And the pastor, for the first time, told us to turn to the back of our hymnals where the Our Father was was included and to pray it as a church. And I'll tell you how far I've come. This is really, I'm admitting this publicly, which is some of you might be shocked. But I, when the whole 3,500 people started praying that Our Father, you know what I did? I got out of my seat. I made my way out of the church. I just left. And when they were all done, I came back. I could not bear to stay there with over 3,000 people praying the Our Father because I said, this is just by rote. They're just saying it. And they're not praying it. Are you going to tell me that 3,500 people praying the Our Father know what they're praying, that they mean it? That's not prayer. I saw that as a as a wrong, kind of hypocritical thing. You can't force people to pray the Our Father. That's what I thought, and I, would leave. I was so upset. And now, oh my goodness, uh, I'd have to count up. We pray the eight hours, Benedictine hours a day, and we pray the rosary every day. Um, eight, thir- I'm, I think I once counted it. It's over 20 times a day I say the Our Father. It's amazing. Um, it's wonderful. And it's the prayer our Lord gave us, not just in words, but in meaning, a pattern of prayer. And it's the Jewish pattern of prayer. We say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In the Jewish manner of prayer, first we lift our hearts to God, and then we ask him for our daily bread. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing we do. It's a very Jewish prayer that Jesus gave his disciples. It wasn't a mystery to them. The only thing that was new to them is the idea of referring to God as Abba, that he would be daddy, that he would be so personal, that we could know him like that and come into his presence like that. That was what was new. So um, let me go on here. The rosary is psychologically one of the greatest prayers because it draws all our scattered human energies, mind, lips, and fingertips into a single unifying purpose. To those who find prayer difficult, the rhythmic movement of the fingers induces spiritual thoughts. To those who are used to mental prayer, the spirit, the spiritual gains a new dimension when it spills over into the body and comes out on the tips of the fingers. Ours is not an age in which the heavenly therapy of prayer by beads is generally used. Now, I know that I believe there's more people praying the rosary today among Catholics, perhaps than ever before. Thanks be to God. But there are many Catholics, and I know many, who just, they'll say it's not their thing. Are they required to pray the rosary? Are we required? Absolutely not. But when Our Lady, the Mother of our Savior, comes from heaven and tells us that she wants us to pray it every day, she didn't first say, get used to it. She didn't first say, study it, uh, get to know it, uh, love it. She just said, pray it every day. I, she said, oops, there I go. I am the Lady of the Rosary. And so... 
um, I may not wish to pray the rosary every day. Uh, and you know, sometimes if it weren't that we were in community, I would, I get busy and I would skip it, but I don't skip it because we do hold each other accountable. And that's what is so good. If you're in a family, beloved, to Papa, call the family together at night and pray the rosary before everyone goes to bed or before the littlest one goes to bed. And if the children are too young to go through the whole rosary, then pray a decade. Every child can do that. Um, uh, Bishop Sheen goes on to say, one of the reasons why people today are so frequently worried and fearful is that they keep their minds too busy and their fingers too idle, or else tap a jerking syncopation to the noises um, of a nervous world. The rosary, by contrast, gathers together our dispersed forces and fixes our minds on holy, simple thoughts, while the fingers, too, are drawn into the magnetic field of worship because it focuses the whole man toward a single uplifting purpose, the rosary can be the greatest of all therapies for troubled modern men. Beloved, we should have extra rosaries and carry them wherever we go. Give them to the homeless with maybe a little a little booklet on how to pray it. Um, uh, or, or just give the rosaries out um, to people we meet. Uh, it's transformative. It is transformative. Bishop Sheen says, a faint suspicion of this fact has begun to penetrate into some hospitals. Nervous and combat-fatigued combat fatigued patients are taught to knit or weave to relax their nervous tension. The disadvantage of this treatment is that it is only partial. The patient's mind is not involved. But in the rosary, all faculties, mind, will, imagination, memory, desires, hopes, and muscles are directed to the divine. There is seemingly much repetition in the rosary, but actually this is no more wearying or monotonous than a man telling a woman, I love you, for the 20th time. I've never met a woman who said, you know, you told me that already twice today. It's enough. I've never met a woman who said that. Since there is a new moment in time to be redeemed by love, his words, the, the husband's words, may be the same, but the meaning of each avowal is slightly different. So in the rosary, we say over and over to God, I love you, I love you, I love you. The beads carry the burden of the prayers, while the decades record the 15 scenes or 20 played out in the great, of course, in Bishop Sheen's day, uh, there were not the 20 mysteries, just the 15 that Our Lady had given to St. Dominic. Um, 
The beads carry the burden of the prayers while the decades record the 15 scenes, or today the 20 scenes, played out in the great drama of our redemption. Whether you pray 15 or 20 today is just not an issue. Don't let it, don't let it bother you. Bead by bead, decade by decade, the soul climbs from one mystery to the next, to that, um, quote, love we fall short of in all love, that beauty that leaves all other beauty pain. End quote. We need these mysteries to engage our thoughts. We are not sufficiently spiritual to apprehend God as he is himself. Our natures are too weak to stand the shock of such sublimity. The sun is so rich in varied brightness that it must be shot through a prism before our weak eyes can see the glory of its seven colors. So, too, the life of our divine Savior abounds in beauties that our frail human hearts cannot see unless filtered first through the prism of a prayer such as the rosary which breaks them up into the 15 or again 20 mysteries. The mysteries fall naturally into three groups, and now we could say four, with the luminous mysteries that um, St. John Paul II gave us. We have four groups of mysteries. Now some people continue to pray the three, others have taken on the fourth. It's not an issue, beloved. Don't ever make that an issue. Um... The mysteries fall naturally into three or four groups, which are also the three divisions of every ideal Christian life, joy, suffering, and glory. Joy, suffering, and glory. And between suffering and glory, St. John Paul II has added light, the luminous mysteries. And that is also true of us, of our existence. So, um, I would love to go through this with you this month. I've not read the book, but I know anything by Bishop Fulton Sheen is an absolute treasure. So we just have a few minutes before the break. And the first group of mysteries, okay, if you're listening with your families or any children are mystery, listening, okay, children, what is the first group of mysteries? And we normally pray them um, on on. Um, uh, well, now it's, again, with the fourth mystery. We pray them on Monday and Saturday. Um, it was it's a little different if you, if you don't pray the fourth mystery. But what is the first group, beloved? It is the joyful. The joyful mysteries. I just, I know you know that. This is not a, a kindergarten class, but I just figured maybe for some of your children they could join in and, and tell us what they know very well, especially if you're setting up a prayer table at home and you pray the rosary as a family. It is tremendous to do that, truly tremendous. And if you don't have children or you're empty nesters, husband and wife should come together and pray that rosary. It's a request of Our Lady and it is so wonderful and healthy to do that. Don't worry about your feelings. 
you know, most of us are held back spiritually because we worry about our feelings. We set a holy hour to be before our Lord and we don't feel his presence and we get distracted and we feel bored and we just want to sit there reading a book, which is okay. Um, and we say, this is ridiculous. I'm not the type. It's not true. Um, when we sit with the beloved, we build a relationship. He with us and us with him. Let, let it take time. Don't worry about your feelings. We have a holy hour here every single day at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope in Tulsa, uh, with the Blessed Sacrament every single day. And I tell you, there are days I'm distracted. Uh, there are days I don't feel God's presence. There are days I don't even want to be in the chapel. I'm telling you all of this. We're all human, and this this happens. And what I've learned is not to trust or depend on my feelings, because if I do, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble in life. But it's the discipline and the accountability that grows us up and that grows us deeper and deeper in love with our Lord. There's the music, beloved. Um, Call in with anything on your heart. Again, it does not need to be what we're speaking of. Um, Call in toll-free or text at 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. St. Faustina said, Pure love knows that only one thing is needed to please God, to do even the smallest things out of great love. Placing a Catholic radio bumper magnet on a car may seem like a very small thing, but it's been the start of many conversions. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. Just click on the Promote tab at the top of our website. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. That's thestationofthecross.com and click on the Promote tab. Thank you for sharing Catholic Radio on the road. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. Weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live, and now we have a whole half hour to ourselves. This is my favorite time of the program, that we could connect and speak to each other and, and, and figure out how to uh, live this glorious faith in the midst of a world that is so very turned from God. Um, call in with anything on your heart, toll free, one eight seven seven. 5115483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com we have lynn on the phone are you there lynn yes mother i am hi, hi dear uh, thanks for waiting hi. that's a patient patient soul to wait <laughs> um I've never been on the radio before so um i might well welcome welcome uh, at your debut <laughs> well, first, I want to tell you, I am so grateful for your program. Um, I I listen, I watch the YouTube because I can't get the radio on my app. I'm going to have to learn how to do that. And thank you for your program. It, it's so helpful. And so my question is, I'm wondering, is there a code that the priests are supposed to have for uh, dress when when they say mass because um, one of our priests who is the pastor comes in shorts and a t-shirt and sandals and he puts a vestment on over them and I'm terribly uncomfortable when he does that and uh, I think he's kind of liberal and um, I hear people saying oh father you look so cute wearing that and I don't feel like that. And so because of that, I really don't want to go when he says mass to our parish. And I know that it's terribly wrong because you're not supposed to. It's not the priest. It's not wrong, Lynn. Himself. It's not wrong of you to not want to go when a priest is wearing shorts. That's not wrong at all. Oh, thank you. So um, could you tell me, like, I don't know, like, I know I can't approach him. Um, what would be the best way to let him know that 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 is not appropriate? You can approach him, and you could say, Father, I don't know if I'm the only one here. Um, I I just don't know the circumstances, but um, not just as a woman, but as a sheep, a Catholic sheep, it's greatly disturbing to me that you walk around here in shorts and put your vestments over it. It's very disturbing, Father. It's It seems impro- inappropriate, immodest, very irreverent. You could say that to him. You could say it to him from the, from the anguish of your heart. Um, is there a code, Lynn, I don't know. The only code I know of is that priests should wear their clerics, and they shouldn't be wearing... Uh, number one, no man should go to church in shorts. No one, uh, let al- and flip-flops, let alone a priest. It's disgraceful. Um, it's immodest. And yes, there, there's a code. Priests should be wearing their clerics. Uh, I, 
I would say all the time in public, but certainly for the mass. Um, but the thing they shouldn't be wearing, even if they want to wear other clothes, which always distresses me, um, they they have uh, they really don't have a right walking into that church in shorts. And and I think any man that comes to church in shorts should not be let in. It's very very immodest, uh, disrespectful, and disturbing. So oh, thank you so much. Yeah, Lynn. No, you don't go when he's, if you know when he's celebrating Mass, you're perfectly right to to change the time you go to Mass or change your parish. Um, but I, I would definitely approach him from a sheep that just is in anguish over it. Say, Father, as, as a sheep and as a woman, I can't handle a man coming to church in shorts, let alone a priest. Um, uh, and, and just throwing your vestments over it. It's very, very disturbing. And I think I'm not alone, because you're not alone. Um, well, I have to tell you, I am, I'm really afraid, because um, I'm also a Eucharistic minister in the collaborative, and I, I'm afraid I might get, he might blackball me and say I can't. And say that you can't be Eucharistic minister? Yeah. How many are there in your church? Um, how many priests? Eucharistic or, ministers are there? Um, we have, I believe we, I would say about 35. Yeah. You have, should not be. Mass, we have six. Yeah, you should not be no. a Eucharistic minister, Lynn. Those 35 should be, not, they, no, but that's insane. A Eucharistic minister there's no such thing, by the way. What there is in the language of the church is an extraordinary minister of the Holy Eucharist. And that is, word is put in purposely for extraordinary purposes. So if there's a reason why Father cannot distribute communion by himself for some reason, um, there might be one or two that assist him. To have 35 is... It's terrible. It's not even Catholic. It's terrible. So I we would... We have like every Mass, six. We have six no. Eucharistic uh, external no. ministers on the yeah. altar at every I think you need Sunday to mass. back out. They don't belong on the altar. No one belongs on the altar but the priest. Nobody belongs on that altar but that priest. So, Lynn, I would speak to the priest, and I would... At least in your case, sweetheart, I know you love to serve, but I would back out of being a Eucharistic minister. It's a, it's a, it's a debauchery. It's a degradation of the Mass. And those 35 and 6 at every Mass have no business being there. And your priest is liberal, and he's disrespectful, and I personally would speak to him and or find another church. Well, I can't because um, I okay. don't drive. But and I um and but um, I believe that what I could do is we have three parishes. I could go on the bus to another one. And, well, um, that that would be good. <laughs> okay, if it would be good for you, do what's good for you. Don't don't put yourself in hardship there. Um, either go to a different mass or a different parish, if you do what you can do. Um, don't put yourself in a period of 
a situation of great stress, but I would speak to your priest, Lynn. I would do that. He may be harsh. He may be disrespectful. He may feel judged. He may come back at you very negatively. Be ready for it. If that happens, it's not your fault. It's He is absolutely out of line. Okay, Jitlin. God bless you, dear Thank one. Thank you so much. God bless you too, Mother. You're welcome, Thank you sweetheart. Thank you my call. Surely. Okay, and we're going to go to our second break now, beloved. So again, feel free to call in with anything on your heart. Uh, toll free, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. Text at that number as well. Or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Users of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Emilia says, iCatholic Radio is the only radio station I listen to. It's my constant companion whether I'm in my car or walking. It's a good way to learn and to deepen my understanding about my faith. It's a source of reliable information of which we badly need in our culture. I encourage everyone to listen and support iCatholic Radio as a gateway to heaven. Another reviewer writes, at last, a radio station worth listening to. Thank you, I love it. And Deepak writes, a Catholic media treasure troll. Spiritually uplifting and fun. One reviewer says, love it, love it. I'm learning so much about the Catholic faith, it makes me seriously consider conversion. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. To Mother Miriam Live, beloved. This is our last segment, but we have a good 15 minutes. I say good 15 minutes because it's over 15 minutes together. Um, and you're welcome to call in toll free or text with anything on your heart. one 877 5483 or email at mother at We have an, uh, an anonymous email. Uh, let me just see here. 
Um, hold on just a moment. Okay. It is, I don't know where it's from, but let me read it to you. Hold. It says, Dear Mother, I enjoy listening to you very much. I am having a very difficult time in my life right now with my marriage of 11 years. My wife, Laura, and I have four children together, ages 5, 8, 9, and 11. She is not Catholic, and I am, or am now trying to be one. We were married at my Catholic church that I grew up uh, going to. Before we were married, we dated on and off roughly six years and had a son six months before getting married. We were not seeing each one another at the time that she called me to tell me she was pregnant. Our communication ceased maybe a month or so before she called to tell me she was pregnant. Now she wants a divorce because she feels as though the marriage never existed to begin with. And the only reason we married was because we had to for the sake of our son or because it was proper to because we had a child together. Our relationship prior to our marriage was, as I'm sure you guessed, very immoral, which in turn made it very difficult. Going into marriage, nothing changed on this front of immoral behavior. I know and believed that what we were doing was wrong and did not stop it. Various forms of contraception um, were uh, involved. I went to confession many times for the same sin for many years until just recently all physical contact between my wife and I has stopped. It was becoming increasingly stressful and I could see that. She does not believe that there is a problem in using contraception. And her fear is or was becoming pregnant again. I did not know how to stop doing what I was doing, even though though I knew it was wrong because I knew it would lead to this. Or maybe I thought it would. Separation, that is. Now we are here anyway, and it is very difficult The way I see it is sin has a way about itself. And if you don't take care of it, it will take care of you. You got that very right. In listening to some of your more recent shows, I found that I was not living as a Catholic at all. But I would expect my wife to live up. I would expect my wife to live up to those expectations. Oh, not because she would, because you wanted her to. You weren't living up to it, but you expected her to. And he says, I would be a harsh critic at times and can be judgmental in how I portray my belief. I could be a kind of tyrant at times as well to my wife, though I never really meant to or understood completely what my actions were causing to my wife's heart and mind. Oh, beloved, I know this is a long email. I'm just going to take a minute to complete it because I know that this brave soul who's writing in is not alone. He says, it was never my intention at all to be like this, and I didn't know how I was actually being. 
there has been a lot of neglect, sarcasm, harsh words, and other negative actions on my part toward my wife. Though I try to always keep the arguments away from our children, she wants to be alone now, away from me. I do not believe that is the best alternative, but but finding the right support is not an easy task to navigate these issues. We want... Um, we went to counseling twice. I went three times, and my counselor, at least to me, seems to be pushing for an annulment. I don't know if this is the answer, and she doesn't want to talk to anyone. His wife doesn't want to talk to anyone because she thinks or knows that she will be told the best alternative is to stay together and work together and listen and understand each other better. She sought out a pastor of a non-denominational church she had attended, and he said he didn't know what to do, but would pray for her. She has confided in her mother and father and various friends, I think, and they support her decision to divorce, or rather will support her no matter the decision she makes. I don't know what to do at this point. We have a family, a home, and a business together. We also have debt on top of that, a lot of which on my part is very negligent debt. I, in my best estimation, would say that I have been a poor example as a Catholic, if I can even say that, and that my wife has taken a better, has been a better living example as a Christian than I. I have been listening a lot and reading some um, uh, of Bishop Sheen, the catechism sermons from the Fraternity of St. Peter and other, hopefully carefully, selected sources, including you. I did not realize the damage I was doing to my marriage and my family, though. I did not think I have ever considered separating. I don't think I've ever considered separating from my wife. I love and enjoy her company. And even though all of the difficulty um, would never leave her side, though she wants to go. A little confusing sentence there. Um, I cannot imagine my life without her at this point, even though a lot of our marriage has been difficult. I am nervous and reluctant to say anything religious around her and have no idea how I will educate our children in the faith now. I have always brought them to mass and church school, church school, and pray regularly with them away from my wife, even the rosary. I have prayed the rosary. Let me just see. All right, I have prayed the rosary every day beginning Ash Wednesday of this year, committing myself to getting up and saying morning prayers when my alarm goes off. I pray novenas and other prayers and have learned, I think, to have a real personal relationship with God and his mother. I'm getting very stressed out and finding sleep difficult, and now I want to take time off of work. I work with my father-in-law, brother-in-law, and my wife's uncles as well. I'm considering going back to a previous job 
that I held because I am embarrassed and ashamed, though that may cause more stress uh, to her and the family and the business uh, that she runs, but uh, that she runs for the most part. Okay, we've got the last last sentence here, beloved. Um, hold on now. Um, where did I? Okay, I just lost my place. All right, here we go. I don't know if I should leave the house or what I should do. Uh, Two more sentences. I have talked to my parish priest, and he has been quite helpful, but I know he is busy and has many other commitments. I know that you, as a woman and a mother, will have a loving perspective, maybe harsh, and that is why I am reaching out to you. I know this is a mess and have a great responsibility in it. Any advice will be good. God has opened my eyes through prayer, and I am humbled by this and need to be, and I see, I now see, that I am the biggest problem and need to clean myself up. It's exhausting. Oh, that's quite a a lengthy email, uh, heartfelt and sincere. I tell you what, my dear brother, I would print out the email you sent to me through the Station of the Cross, and I would give it to your wife to read. Excuse me. I print it out, and I give it to her to read with a little top note that says, Dear One or Beloved, or whatever you call her by name, um, I have failed you so much. I have failed you, God, the family, myself, um, that I just, I know you want a divorce. Uh, I certainly respect and understand your wishing that. I will do anything to, to become the man that I need to be for you and for the family. And you could say I wrote this email and sent it in to Mother Miriam, and she actually suggested that I might consider showing it to you because my heart is on this sheet of paper. That might be something for you to show it to her and say and tell her that um, you, um, uh, you completely blame yourself, uh, your behavior prior to the marriage, your behavior in the marriage, that you have not been the mature, virtuous man that you wish to be, and you have made a mess of this, and you would like very much now that God has really uh, converted your heart to, if she would allow the two of you to give it a good try. Um, And if not, if she says, I don't even want you in this house, then I think, let the let the thought of divorce go. Don't worry about that. If she pursues it, you can't stop it. But um, uh, I would say uh, that um, if you need to leave the house um, for a time, to separate, not get a divorce, but just to separate so she has a little break um, in the relationship, that might not be a bad thing. 
But as long as you're home, you need to clean the house with her. You need to take up your responsibility. Don't let her do the dishes by herself. Um, Do as much as you can to contribute to the family and never again argue with your wife. Never again argue with you. You think you're doing it outside of the children's uh, range. You're not. You're not. Because sound carries, attitudes carry, uh, the relationship carries. So uh, the way you treat one another in front of your children, even if you don't say a word, affects them greatly. Never have another argument with your wife again. Just if, if it's not a matter of life and death, even if you think she's wrong in a conclusion or a decision or something to do, let it go. Let it absolutely go. Um, don't even show your displeasure because your marriage is more important than any argument, any disagreement you're going to have. So I would say, let your wife see your heart, which you've written out here in this email. Uh, be a man. Become the man you need to be. And I want to say to everyone else, um, if you are going to have an intimate relationship or live with one another before marriage, I want to tell you now, your marriage will fall apart. It will not work out. It will not work out. And um, there's so many other things in this email. But um, if you're dating and you're intimate before marriage, do not plan your marriage. Separate and don't even see each other for six months and see if God would bring you together after that in a holy uh, union. Okay, so um, whoever the gentleman is that wrote this long email, uh, I will pray for you. We will pray for you. Be a man. Show it to your wife. Say, honey, I, I would do anything uh, to live in the hindsight God has given me. I would do anything to have been matured to have been virtuous, to have not treated you as poorly as I have. I can't reverse time, and I can't change who I have been, but by God's grace, I want to change, as of this minute, who I am now. And um, I beg you to let God have his way and see if we can work this out. Okay. God bless you all. Uh, There's our ending music, and we will be with you tomorrow. God bless you.